So, welcome to the inaugural dun, 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 um, Angels at Essex Female Founders and Investors. And I'm delighted to see you all. I recognize some of the names, but not all of them. So um, I'm hoping, you know, that we'll, we'll get to know each other as, as uh, we go along. What we've got planned today is I'm going to do this short introduction and then we will hear from John, who is um, from Angels from Essex. He's going to give us a bit of context. Um, and then we're, there'll be a short breakout session. Again, we're hoping you'll get to know each other, a few people. And after that, we're going to hear um, a talk from some female founders. And we're also going to hear from some female investors. Um, myself and Natalie and Chi Chi, we're actually based in Manchester and we do a lot of work uh, locally. Um, I host a women leading in business group at one of the business schools. Chi Chi is a founder of Female Tech Founder and also involved in, um, is it Fund Her North, Chi Chi? Is that the one? There's that many. And um, marketing, um, Natalie works with us on all sorts of marketing and social media stuff. So we've, we've clustered all our knowledge and experience together. And the vision is really to build a community of female founders and investors. And I'm hoping then the magic comes from that. So I am going to hand over to John, who's going to introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about why, why we're here. Why are we starting this, John? Thank you, Claire Marie, and thank you everybody for attending today. I really appreciate the numbers. It's a, a significant step forward for us. I'm just going to show you a couple of slides. I'm not going to bore you with PowerPoint presentations, but you don't all want to see me the whole time. So I just thought I'd mention it. I'm John Stenhouse. I'm the Business Support Manager from the University of Essex. I'm assisted here with Josh Clark. Um, who uh, runs all the tech side of things. Um, and so if it goes wrong, I can blame Josh. So uh, effectively moving on swiftly before he switches me off, um, I'll share my screen. Um, University of Essex, um, who are we, first of all? Um, we are, if you like, uh, a university that's well known for its research facilities. And it's not that well known for its commercial aspects. And back in 2019, we actually um, opened up uh, a brand new innovation center, which I would love to show you if the system will allow me. I'll stop sharing because it's not showing up on my screen, so it can't be showing up on yours. And effectively that knowledge, our knowledge gateway or innovation center was the catalyst to start working more closely with businesses. We had this knowledge gateway, which is where businesses can actually reside and have access to all the university facilities. So the Innovation Centre, which was opened in July 2019, was a dramatic step forward because it, it was in fact the very first innovation purpose-built innovation centre for Essex. And it's based on the, just on the edge of the university campus at Colchester. So it's available for businesses. Students do use it, but they have access to virtual reality, augmented reality equipment at that university, uh, which is all brand spanking new. And so it's all the latest tech. The university is actually known for inventing virtual reality back in the 70s. So it's, it's, that's its accreditation. But it's 
augmented reality, virtual reality, but we do biomed, we do sciences, we do have laboratories, we've got everything at the university and it's one of those um, well-kept secrets. Back in 2019, uh, the university was designated as a university enterprise zone. Now that was one of 20 around the country, um, but everybody approached this slightly differently. So having the innovation center, having a university enterprise zone status, we embarked on a very ambitious program to actually fund the Valley of Death, where seed businesses struggle to get funding to move forward. And so we actually launched two programs, Space to Grow and Angels at Essex. Now, Space to Grow is an investment readiness program and is totally free, but we launched it at the very start of the COVID lockdown. So it went online almost from day one. We've had over a thousand people attend our webinars on investment readiness. And they're not only available to people in Essex, we have people from all over the UK and even around the world. Not many people realize that Essex University is actually an international university with over 46% of students and staff on non-UK residents. So in effect, we have an alumni, which stretches right around the world, and includes everybody in India and China and South America, um, a vast network. And we've exploited that network because we've started an equity investment platform. Um, it started as a crowdfunding platform exercise, but we realized that Cedars and CrowdfundMe and everybody else is well established. There was no point. We went down the equity route. Uh, so we have registered investors, and they are investing. We've had 63 investors invest out of the 93 on our platform and they've invested and we've only been around for 12 months now, over 5 million pounds in businesses on our platform. So those businesses on our platform have not only benefited from the support that we give them for free with a one-on-one -on -one mentoring and help with investment readiness, but they also have access to the university's research facilities. So the university is number two in the country for knowledge transfer partnerships, where we put um, graduates and postgraduates into businesses to help solve problems. And we recruit those graduates from all over the world. That's the difference that we make. So we're not just focusing on Essex, but we are Essex and we prioritize Essex businesses. And that's why we're here today, because we have found that actually accessing Essex businesses is the hardest of all our problems. We can access businesses, but Essex businesses go elsewhere. They go to London, they go to Cambridge. They go and look elsewhere for funding and help and support. They don't realize it's actually on their doorstep and it's actually free. But also we found that whilst we have been very successful in raising investment and what have you, we have struggled tremendously to engage and attract female entrepreneurs and female investors. And this has been a common problem and it's been a common problem for many, many years. And when you look at the statistics, you know, there's 2 billion invested in female founded businesses in the UK last year, but there was 13 billion invested in businesses in the UK last year. 
and only, what is it, about 14% of that money came to female entrepreneurs in the east of England. And very little of that came to female entrepreneurs in Essex. So we want to change that. We want to be up there in a more significant position. We're not in competition with Cambridge. We're not in competition with London. We're not in competition with anybody. We're here to fill a gap in provision. And that's why we've engaged with Claire Marie's team to help develop this side of the business and to increase the activity that we actually have in this region. So um, I'm now gonna hand over to Claire Marie because I think everybody's had enough of my chat and uh, let's see how we progress. And thank you for listening. We're ready to move on to the next part of our agenda. So I'm gonna welcome our female founders speakers today. Um, and I'm, I'm going to um, sort of suggest that you might just want to go on speaker view and um, I can see Laura and Rachel there. Give us a smile. Hi everyone. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm going to hand over to you now and I'm, I'm just going to invite you to introduce yourselves, tell us what you do. We're particularly interested in hearing your foundering story. You know, so you've been going for a little while now, um, <laughs> but take us right back to the beginning, to, to the birth of um, your venture and, um, and some of the ups and downs and what's happened along the way. Oh, thanks, Claire Marie, and thank you so much for having us. So, yeah, I'm Rachel. And I'm Laura. And we are sisters and co-founders of Caro. Uh, it always feels funny when we <laughs> introduce ourselves as a double act. I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having us along. Um, so, we're co-founders of Caro, which is a women's wear brand. Um, so, yeah, like Claire Marie said, we take you back to when we first had the idea and then talk about some of the funding um, considerations. And then, yeah, I don't know if we have time for questions but yeah and um, feel free to pop any in the chat as we go along um so yeah so we're the founders of crow um gosh yeah Claire Marie said we've been going for a little while now so I actually had the day for crow when I was 14 so 11 years this year um so it was all inspired by well firstly our nana who was a dressmaker um and then also it was also inspired by the fact that women and men as well are all different shapes and sizes so um as Claire Marie said we're based in Manchester um so I used to go shop with my friends like at the Trafford Centre and into like Manchester Centre and we used to try on different clothes but like a lot of my friends used to say I wish I was taller or I wish I was this I wish I was that I wish you know my waist was smaller and all this and then also Laura um you have cystic fibrosis and um, which is a disability which means that um Laura's rib cage is a bit bigger to mine um so I'm the younger sister so I always used to steal Laura's clothes and try them on and they always used to fit differently on her to me and um, so it's still going on in my head and I just thought like you know, we're all different shapes and sizes. So, you know, why do we feel when we try on clothes, if they don't fit to us, we think, oh, there's something wrong with me, or, you know, I wish it was this, I wish it was that. We wanted to create a brand that created clothes that changed to fit um, every woman. And also I think like, I don't know if anyone can resonate, but I think growing up like fashion was very much about, you know, the way women looked or the fact they looked a certain way on celebrating, you know, one body type or, 
um, you know, one um, group of people. So we wanted to create a brand that was all about um, celebrating um, the incredible women wearing the dresses. Um, so that was the, when we had the idea. So um, yeah, I had the idea one night when I was like going to sleep. And then I was like, um, why has no one done this before? So I told you, Laura, didn't I? Yes. Um, and basically each dress that we make, oh, I should have brought one, but has like a hidden zip around the waist. So it's actually a top and a skirt. And um, so that means it can have a different size top to bottom. So say you like a 12 on the top and a 16 on the bottom, it always fits together. Or you can have like a 10 on the top, a 10 on the top, 10 on the bottom. Um, and also you can mix and match. So say you want to, you know, today you want to wear a sleeve top, um, which I do most of the time in Manchester with the rain. Or <laughs> say like, I don't know, in Essex, it's a bit sunny, you might want to wear a sleeveless top. Um, but so you can mix and match. Um, so I was like, why has no one done this before? It seems like really obvious. Um, so as soon as I told Laura, we were like, oh my gosh, we need to do it. Um, and then that lasted for about probably five minutes and we were like we need to do it and then we we're like oh wait how do we actually do it so like we didn't know anybody who had run a business before and um, didn't know anyone in fashion and um, it was just very much like we've got this idea but we have no idea like what to do um next so I can't even remember what we did I think we just started like mm. googling or like of, I don't know Bing or you know other search engines are available but we just started like googling you know um how to start a business if the dress already existed and um we just started building it up that way and then I'd say like a couple of years later we found a dressmaker and yeah, um, that was a lot harder than we expected so we again were like using the internet to find a dressmaker and um, but I guess particularly like a few years ago it's very traditional skill set so it was very much we had to like find word of mouth you, know, you can't just like search a dressmaker well you couldn't you can probably can now but a few years ago you couldn't and um, so we found a dressmaker and they helped us bring it from like a sketch all the way to the dresses that they are now and um, it took like two years in total so we did it while I was at university and um, but trying to get I guess the zip to fit how we wanted it to um, like everything it was like a lot a lot harder than I expected to be honest I thought it was going to be a lot quicker um, and I guess as well what I wanted to draw out is like you know a lot of people kind of said you know what you're doing that for like dresses are made the way we've always been made you know why don't you just stick to how dresses are made normally what's the point but we were really passionate about we didn't obviously know the words like diversity and inclusion like 11 years ago because I don't think they were really like spoken about as much or even sustainability but we were just really passionate about you know reflecting each and every woman in our brand which I guess now you would call diversity and inclusion and also um I guess treating you know everybody like you do in real life you know with kindness and respect so that's what we've always brought through on our brand ever since the beginning um which I guess now you call like sustainability and um ethics and transparency um yeah so the dress took like two years and then that was the best feeling when we finally put on the dress after two years but um yeah it probably looks awful looking back now it looks quite different to what it does look like now but at the time I thought it was like the best um thing ever um and then we had this dress and we were like okay we've got it now but what how do we sell it how do 
if we like turn it into a business um so again it was kind of you know thinking about do we have a website um we were going to a lot of events in Manchester very similar to this and that's how we met the amazing Chichi and Claire Marie um and just going out speaking to people and you know how did you do this how did you do that and that's been really valuable because as you said we went from from knowing nobody like to now we just know like you know like this it's an amazing community where you can reach out to people um I'm trying to think so yeah we did like a soft launch which was like a kind of trial launch in 2017 um and I remember again like with the website um we tested that and then a few months later we were like oh we want to change loads of things so I guess it's like you know that kind of testing getting feedback and pivoting um and then I think in 2000. 18 we yeah. started doing um like bespoke pieces so this was like a chance to do like one-off pieces um it was mainly for like um women in Manchester and it gave us a chance to like test the concept get feedback um and also try and build the brand as well so we ended up um well we're really passionate about with our brand we want to celebrate incredible role models so you know it's an absolute honor to be able to address like incredible women. So um, we were able to make dresses for people who were getting like MBEs and also, um, you know, award ceremonies. And that was like a really um, special time. But then I guess we soon realized like we were probably spending so much time like making these dresses. Like it was probably six months to make one dress, um, which obviously like if you're trying to grow a, a group, a business, like it wasn't really kind of scalable. Um, but yeah, that was like a really good to get feedback and it really helped with like getting to know different people. Um, and then we decided, okay, so we want to focus on e-commerce and ready to wear pieces um but we don't actually know like if we can obviously like I'm not sure on everyone else's business but with fashion and production a lot of the time like you have to pay a lot of money up front um to kind of fund the factory run which um like obviously we didn't have and so we thought okay how do we kind of test the market and how do we um I guess prove that hopefully like we can sell these dresses so that's why I decided to do a kickstarter campaign so to be honest a few people had mentioned it to us I'd say a few years before, yeah, before but we'd yeah. always heard things like oh running a kickstarter is like a full-time job it's a lot of work you know and that kind of like did put us off a bit we were like oh gosh are we ready to do that but what I'd say was that like don't let that put you off so we did the we launched a kickstarter campaign in march to kind of align with um international women's day and we had a target of ten thousand pounds and we run it for 60 days um and i think when we hit the target after three weeks we we're actually speaking at female tech founder and it was just like such a special celebration because it like to be surrounded by everybody and um, so that was really good but i'd say with the kickstarter yeah, a lot of people do say that you know it's a lot of work or you know but I would I would really recommend it and mm. to people like it's just a, I don't actually think you know you have a business until somebody actually buys it and I think to be honest like I was really naive to that at the start because a lot of people would say oh it's like a really good idea which is really really good and really great feedback but you know unless that converts to like people buying it's not actually a business and to, uh, to be honest we're still working on that part but I'd say that the kickstarter didn't really help with that and actually proving that you know um that people are willing to like you know pay for products so I'd say that's a really really um really good um thing to do um and also I think the important thing with that was like just getting people like on this call to share for you like you know you don't even if you can support obviously like 
with one of the rewards that's great but you know even if you share or just tell somebody like that's what really made the difference with mm-hmm. us like sharing it um I'd say as well what I wish I would have done differently is um thinking about what to do after the kickstarter so we were like really focused on the kickstarter we'll launch it we'll run it for 60 days we'll fulfill the orders um but I'd say we kind of delivered all the orders by like late 2019 yeah. um which was great but then we were like okay what are we doing next so I feel like to be honest looking back I wish I would have like had another collection lined up or kind of had that forward planning because I think like you don't want to lose that momentum and then of course like Covid hit um, and everyone kind of switched to well most people like switched (laughs) to loungewear and pyjamas and so again I feel like it was kind of like we're at the point where we want to launch our next collection but it's figuring out when the right time is um, but yeah, I'd say the Kickstarter was like one of the best things we've done. Um, just in terms of like when I look back over the last few years, just knowing that we did that and some, mm-hmm. you know, people did buy the dresses, we just can always go back to that and have that to show. Um, so yeah, I guess in terms of looking forward with like trying to develop the next collection and launch that later this year, hopefully. But with COVID, I'm sure you can all resonate is um <laughs> throwing a spanner in the works with everyone, but hopefully getting a bit more um back on track. Um so yeah, hopefully that was like a whistle stop tour. I don't know how long I was talking for. So sorry if I ran over, but um yeah, thank you for having us. So you know what we're what we're hoping we're going to build here is the community of female founders and female uh, investors. And um, that is actually a, a tricky line, you know, what, what event do you create that actually speaks to both of those communities? Because they're obviously related and linked and maybe two sides of the same coin, but they're also different and, you know, they want to hear their own things. So we will be listening out to you to, to hear what you want to hear and, 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 and we'll curate that for you. Um, but we're thinking at each of the events, we're hoping these will be monthly events. That will be a combination of speakers and networking. And we're hoping to pick a theme each time and hear from a founder point of view and hear from an investor point of view. So that's sort of our cunning plan. And again, it, you know, give us some feedback if you think that will work or if for some reason you don't, that would be great. So this month, I am delighted to welcome Harving to the stage, to the screen. And Harvey, I'm just going to hand straight over to you. We only met in the last couple of days, um, but I feel like you're a firm friend already. Um, So tell us who you are, what you do, and how this connects to female investors. Thank you so much, Claire-Marie. Thank you to you. Thank you to John. And well done, Angels at Essex, for launching the Female Founders and Investors concept. There are so many synergies here. Thank you so much for those of you that are listening in. Um, A, I'm based in Essex, so um, I'm an Essex girl. Secondly, my background lies in fashion. Um, We've had lots of people talking about fashion today. So my own career um, was, was, was founded at John Lewis, the department store group, and then New Look and Topshop. So I've enjoyed a fashion career. And that led me on into the world of, of, of talent. I'm a headhunter sitting in fashion, retail and consumer. My company is called HGA Group and we are 18 years established. Um, my chair at HGA Group is a gentleman called Greg Tufnell. He is the ex-CEO of Mothercare. So lots of fashion 
um, knowledge and information. If anybody would like to connect or talk to me, I'd love to, so please do so. Um, but for many, many years, we have bemoaned the lack of females, certainly in business. Um, the male to female ratio of CEO, at CEO level in the UK sits at 19 to one, and at CFO level sits at 6.5 to one. Um, likewise, we know that females are very underrepresented in the investment community. Um, for every one pound of VC investment in the UK, all female founder teams receive under a penny. Um, ironically, however, on the other side of the coin, companies with at least one female founder generate 78 cents of revenue for every dollar invested. Um, whilst male-led startups generate roughly 31 cents. But startups with only female founders receive just 3% of total invested dollars globally. I'm female and I'm a female of colour. Um, we co-founded, Greg, myself and um, Sue, the other co-founder of HGA Group, we co-founded Eve in January 2020. Eve is a female angel investment consortium. We do not focus on female founders principally because there are a lot of other organizations out there now focusing as they should be on female founders. We are focusing on female investors predominantly because there are fewer organizations focusing on female investors. And our whole mantra is, um, if the number of female investors also does not go up, that's going to have a significant negative impact on the number of female entrepreneurs being funded. You can't be what you can't see. It's as simple as that. Um, we started in January 2020. We hosted two face-to-face -face events in central London, um, and then obviously moved to um, to Zoom as pandemic hit. So to date, we've hosted about 15 monthly Zoom pitch events. We've represented or showcased some 45 um, robust startups, SMEs. Um, the, the sectors that we cover, fashion definitely is one of those, fashion stroke consumer. So there's, there's a lot of interest at the moment in terms of uh, the type of company that Laura and Rachel um, have founded. Um, sustainable fashion obviously is right up there. Food and beverage, uh, alcohol-free drinks, food, beverage, uh, with luxury chocolate. So um, definitely startups in the consumer space, that's very, very big. Um, but we also focus on um, energy and renewables, automotive, um, sustainability and packaging. Um, and some of you have also outlined this today, we focus on um, a big idea. It has to be a big idea. Of course, it has to be scalable. Um, and there has to be a robust um, leadership team in place, even if it's just two people. Um, it obviously has to use technology. Um, so we have been going since January 2020. We've had three successes from a um, standing start um, but principally, our numbers are low because only 13%, as I say, of business investors in the UK are female. The numbers are absolutely shocking. And they're even lower 
in terms of um, minority females, so women like me, women of colour. So that is the flag that we're flying. Our most successful raise has been for a company called Tonic Health. Tonic Health is a disruptive health energy drink. They are 18 months old. Um, we've raised for them twice. They are now in 600, over 600 Holland and Barrett stores. They're in Boots. They're in WH Smith. They've just launched in Sainsbury's. And with our second raise, they're now entering the States. So when it happens, the, you know, the ability to, to, to help SMEs and startups is significant. So I'm on a mission and um, we're small. There are only 13% of business angel investors are female. And we're there, we're, we're taking the system on. Because the other thing is, uh, none of us are investment bankers. Um, we've all come from the world of commerce. We've all helped businesses grow in the five sectors that we've mentioned. And coming in as an outsider investment, although lots of companies now talk about diversity and wanting diversity, so many of the, the steps um, that I see that are bedded in in the world of, of investment actually fight diversity. So it's, um, it's a mission that we're on. And I'd love to connect with both female founders and female investors. Um, so thank you to John and thank you to Claire Marie um, for this inaugural launch of your female founders and investors. The next Angels at Essex um, female founders and investors is on Wednesday, the 9th of June. Um, and in fact, we're, we're going, we've got, this is a three month pilot. So if this works, we've got May, June, July. The July date is Wednesday, the 7th of July. Do you see what we're doing there? And it's always going to be between 12.30 and 2 o'clock.